Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts. We're going to look at chapter 26 this morning. Paul was in a heap of trouble, but everything was under control. Always remember that just because everything has seemed like it's fallen apart doesn't mean that God is not in control. God doesn't know what's going on. God does know. What I want you to do as we go through this, see how much of your own personal life can relate to things that are happening to the Apostle Paul. And uh, sometimes you you can see the providence of God, the hand of God, moving behind the scenes. It's it's a wonderful thing. Uh, Sometimes in your personal life, when you're going through the storm, you can't always see it. But sometimes after it's all over with, and you look back, and you can say, my Lord sure was good to me. Boy, I can see how the Lord brought me through this. But if you'll notice there in chapter 25 and verse 24, it just kind of gives us a little uh, introduction to the next chapter. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all men which are here present with us, ye see this man, among whom all the multitude of the Jews have dealt with me, both at Jerusalem and also here, crying that he ought not to live any longer. I guess they thought Paul had lived long enough. But when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death, and that he himself had appealed to Augustus, I have determined to send him, of whom I have no certain thing to write unto my Lord. Wherefore I have brought him forth before you, and especially before thee, O King Agrippa, that after examination had, I might have somewhat to write. For it seemed to me unreasonable to send a prisoner and not with all to signify the crimes laid against him, especially now that they knew that Paul was a Roman citizen. So they had no right to bind him, to scourge him, or even put him in jail without a cause, and they couldn't find the cause. Only that the Jews were going to kill him, and the chief captain, in order to save Paul's life, delivered him out of their hands, and Paul appealed to Caesar because he didn't want the Jewish people to sit in judgment upon him. But what's the charge? Well, they want to kill him. Well, what's the charge? Why do they want to kill him? Well, because he talked about the resurrection, mainly the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So there's most of those that were in the Sanhedrin 
that did not agree with Paul, and so they wanted him dead. In chapter 26, Paul is now going to go before King Agrippa. Remember, the Lord had promised him that he was going to have an opportunity to witness before kings. Well, that time has come, and God has opened up doors. And even when Christ was talking to his disciples in the days to come, he says, don't worry about what you're going to have to say. He says, I'll give it to you in the hour that you need it. But in verse 1, then King Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. Now, he knew that King Agrippa knew the Jewish law. He knew what was right and what was wrong. So he wasn't a, a novice. He had been there for a while. Paul wanted to make his appeal. Paul was not only seeking to defend himself against the accusation, he was also looking for the opportunity to preach the gospel to anybody that he could. He actually wanted to try to win King Agrippa to Christ. And I think King Agrippa knew that. So Paul wasn't just talking to them. He was trying to win. So he makes a statement here in verse 4. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews. They knew what I had done as a youth, how I've lived, my religious upbringing, my devotion to the nation of Israel, being a Pharisee. He says, everybody knew, because none of this was done in a corner. So he says there in verse 5, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify, that after the most strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, in other words, I believe the Scriptures. In the Scriptures, in the Old Testament Scriptures, the Scriptures talks about the Messiah that was to come, how that he would be crucified and he would die and so forth and come back from the dead. He said all that was prophesied in the Scriptures. He was just simply saying, hey, it happened. Am I wrong because I believe the Jewish Scriptures, the Old Testament so he says there in verse 7, unto which promise our 12 tribes instantly serving God or intently serving God day and night hope to come. So it's not only me, all the 12 tribes. Now that's why I don't believe there's the lost 10 tribes. Paul is talking here and it doesn't say that the other tribes are lost. You'll hear a lot about that there. And they went into Europe and then they went into uh, England, and then now they come over here, and America is the new Israel. No, it is not. That's junk. That's not the Bible. That's somebody who's got an agenda that's uh, unscriptural. Always trying to steal things away from, you know, the covenants and the promises that belong to Israel. But anyway, he says here, concerning the hope that was to come, for which hope's sake, here in verse 7, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible unto you 
that God should raise the dead? I mean, if there is a God, can't God raise the dead? Didn't God promise in the Old Testament that God would raise the dead? And he makes a statement here in verse 9. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that's what he did. He persecuted. He had them killed. Put men and women, putting them in prison. All the things that he did. He says, everybody knows what I did. So he says there in verse 10, Which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. When they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them, often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even under strange cities. He was a bad man, wasn't he? He's admitting to all the things that he did because the chief priest told him to do it. And he did it. Verse 12, Whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven. Now he's given his personal testimony again. See, that's one of the most powerful things you have going for you, and that's your personal testimony, how you came to know Christ as your Savior. Because it's a story, and it's what happened to you. You're not preaching to somebody else. You're just telling them what happened to you. That's why you should always learn how to share your testimony. But he says here in verse 13, At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. When we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. All Paul is doing is just telling the truth. He's telling what happened. But he's also getting a chance to tell the gospel. And he says, This was the hope of the fathers. All those Old Testament saints, this is what they look forward to. They yearn for this. All the whole 12 tribes of Israel. And so now they want to put him to death. What? Because I simply believe what it said. And in verse 16, it says, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. Now here's where you and I are supposed to understand. Just like whenever you read the book of uh, Jeremiah in chapter 1, where the Bible says that God did the same thing for Jeremiah. And he says, before you was in the womb, he said, I knew you. To believe that you were not only placed here by God, but there was a purpose in your being here at the time that you're here. Did you ever wonder why you weren't born in some other age, you know, a period of time? God designed you for this period of time in which you live. And he told Paul, he says, I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. I've got a reason. This is what every Christian ought to really understand is there's something that's on the inside of you that says, you know, God has something special for me. God wants me to do something. So serving the Lord is, is seeking to find what is that purpose that God has for my life and believing that. Otherwise, if you don't really believe you have a a definite purpose in life to live. You really don't have much to live for. 
But to live for the Lord and whatever it is that he has for you is one of the most powerful, greatest things that you can ever experience in your whole life. To know and to believe that God is using me where I am and regardless of what happens. Look what he says. He said, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people, from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes. Remember now, the Jews did not like Gentiles. But he's letting them know that the Lord appeared to me. And remember, the Pharisees, well, they believed in spirit. They believed in the resurrection. They believed in angel. And whether or not an angel or spirit appeared unto him, we don't know. But we don't want to be fighting against that. Paul used this argument to split the Sanhedrin. And so they began an argument. This is why he wound up where he is. He says, I was sent to the Gentiles, which the Jews did not like, but he did it. In verse 18, and here's what his goal was. You ought to look at this. This is one awesome verse. You're talking about a purpose in your life. He says, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive, and here's those three little words, forgiveness of sin. Did you know that forgiveness of sins is salvation? Being saved means you have been forgiven of your sins, plural, all of them. That means that you don't have to pay for your sins because God forgave you of your sins. And the only way he can forgive you of sin is that Christ had to die and pay for that sin so that God can be just when he justifies the unjust. So he says that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Now, when you take and put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are made pure and holy. And whenever he was reading it down through here, talking to him, he talked about those saints. I persecuted those saints because he knows now that's what they are. They were made pure and holy and set apart for the Lord. And so he says here in verse 19, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient under this heavenly vision. God gave him a vision. And without a vision, people perish. Did you know if you don't have a vision, your life is zero? You've got to have a vision. You've got to have a purpose for living. You've got to see what God wants you to do. And then the people that you're supposed to reach without a vision... The people perish, but without a vision, so do you. Now, you may have eternal life. You're going to heaven when you die, but you'll waste your life when you don't have a vision. And there's a lot of people today who live their Christian life without a purpose to live, just going in circles. The Word of God is designed to challenge and to motivate us concerning the purpose that God has for us. Look in verse 20. He said, but showed first unto them of Damascus and of Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, change their mind. No man's religion can save them. The Judaism couldn't save them. All the religions of the Gentiles can't save. So everybody is to change their mind and turn to the Lord. Trust 
Christ as their Savior. Look what he says here. He makes this statement. And do works fit for repentance. In other words, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, should you live like it? I believe I should. I also believe that the fruit that's mentioned in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 7 is talking about the fruit of your lips giving thanks, fruit of your lips giving praise. By the testimony that we have, what are you trusting in to get you to heaven? You see, I believe that only way I can tell if a man is really saved or not is by what is he trusting in to get him to heaven. Can an atheist go to church? Yes. Can he wear a three-piece suit? Can he carry a Bible and be as lost as the hound dog on the end of a soup bone? Well, you might look at him and say, well, I know he's saved. No, you don't. He can even sing in the choir. You watch. Everybody's going to be watching everybody in the choir this morning. But you judge, brother, not. I believe that if I know Christ is my Savior and if I love the Lord, that I should have fruit in my life. I believe that if I love the Lord, it says, if you love the Lord, it shall be known of you. And Christ says, how can you love the Father when whom you can't see if you can't love people that you can see? But look what he says. In verse 21, for these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. So Paul is telling them why they wanted to kill him. He's defending himself. But do you think he's also explaining the gospel? Look what else he says. In verse 22 and 23 are two great verses. Because later on, he asked King Agrippa, he says, I would, the God that you would believe it. And that not only you, but everybody who hears me this day would believe it. Now, I want you to look there in verse 22. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continued unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. Get verse 23. And this is what he said. That Christ should suffer, and he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. So he doesn't apologize for this. They could want to kill him just because he wants to reach the Gentiles. The Jews hated the Gentiles. But in these two verses, tells you an awful lot about Paul's message, what he was preaching, what he was about. And he says, all I'm doing is telling you what the prophets in the Old Testament prophesied. So Paul knew prophecy, but it was always around the gospel and now and reaching people for the Lord so that they would hear and understand and believe. In verse 24, and as he thus spake for himself, Festus, which said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning hath, doth make thee mad. He's calling him a madman. This is in the court of law here. But notice what he says. In verse 25, but he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king, and he's talking to King Agrippa. Festus is the one that wanted him to talk to King Agrippa. Because Festus didn't know what to write in order to send Paul to Rome. So he said, we've got to have a hearing. We've got to find out, what are we accusing this man of? What crime has he done? So he says, he's, he's mad. He's a madman. Paul says, I'm not a madman. He says here, 
in verse 26, For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. And then get this verse. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Does that mean that he must be saved? No. He's talking about what he had mentioned up there in verse 22 and 23. About what the prophets in the Old Testament prophesied that the Messiah would come and rise from the dead. You see, you can believe that it's going to happen. Many did. But that's not trusting him as their Savior. And that's why he says here in verse 28, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Now wait a minute. If Calvinism is true, how could anybody be almost persuaded? Because you see, you can't be almost persuaded unless God chose you and gave you the faith. So what did God do? Give him some and then yanked it away from him? If he was one of the chosen ones, well, he would believe. And if he wasn't one of the chosen ones, why did he want to be or even desire to be or almost persuaded to be? I see a problem with the teachings of Calvinism. I am not a Calvinist. I do believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid for all the sins of everybody so that everybody can have eternal life. And it is responsibility of God's people to take the gospel into all the world. And verse 29 says, And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day, were both almost and altogether such as I am except for these bonds. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up and the governor and Bernice, that was his wife, and they that sat with them, and when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, This man, talking about Paul, doeth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, This man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. He could have been a free man. But Paul didn't want to be free, not in Israel. Because if he was free, what would the Jews do to him? That had got him and killed him. So by him appealing to Caesar, now the government has to pay all of his expenses to go to Rome. And God had already told him, you're going to Rome. And you are going to bear witness just like you did here. You're going to do it there. You see, God is moving behind the scenes and making all this stuff work out. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing that God hath done. So that is the end of Acts chapter 26. Take your Bible and turn now to the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John. 1 John in chapter 1. And I want you to notice that when we talk about serving the Lord, we're talking about our walk with God. When we talk about our walk with God, you have to discuss the walk with man. Because you see, our fellowship is truly with the Father. So in verse John in chapter 1, notice what the apostle John has to say. And he says there in verse 1, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Talking about we saw God. Jesus Christ is God. We saw him. He was manifest to us. 
We touched him. We heard him. We walked with him. We know him. And so he says in verse 3, That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. You see, that's really all God wants any of us to do, is just to declare to others what we've seen and heard. And he says that ye also may have, and here's a word that's very good, fellowship with us. He said, what's fellowship? That's two fellows in a ship. And you have to kind of get along, or you rock the boat too much, and somebody's going to fall out. He said, and truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. See, if our fellowship between me and my heavenly Father, if that is right this way, I don't have to worry about it this way. This will take care of itself. Because, see, when you walk with the Lord, God says, don't say, I am in fellowship with the Lord. I am in harmony with my heavenly Father. I am walking with my Father, if you're walking in the flesh. Does everybody have an old sinful nature? Yeah, you got one. And if you have an old sinful nature, and if you walk in the flesh, and how do you know when you're walking in the flesh? Well, the, the hatred and the envy and the jealousy and bitterness and all those things. And it lists a whole bunch of them in the book of Galatians in chapter 5. So if you're having that in your life, then you know that you're walking in the flesh. Uh, but the Lord says, He is light. Walk in the light. That's the new birth. So you've got two of them. One is flesh and one is spirit. And so God wants every one of us to walk in the light. And he says, our fellowship is with the Father. And if you have fellowship and you're right with the Lord, then that's the power that you need to be right with other people. And see, if that's missing and you're not right with him, you're not going to be right with people. And if you're right with the Lord, you see, people don't have to always love you and appreciate you. You have all the strength and grace that you need from him. His joy, his love, his peace is all you need to keep going and to stay strong. and to be. See, a lot of Christians want to use other people as a reason not to be faithful to the one who loved them, the one who died for them. So they have excuses. That's not what God wants. So he says in verse 4, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. God wants every one of his children to have joy. Full joy. And one thing that will ruin your walk with the Lord. And that is sin in your life that you tolerate. That you don't call it what it is. You just overlook it. It's not as bad as, as you think. And therefore you make excuses for yourself. So God says that whenever we do that, then the truth is not in us. We're not walking according to truth. We're being deceived, and we're lying to ourselves. You'd be surprised what we do as Christians. We can be filled with envy and bitterness and hate, all these things, jealousy. But when it comes to the Lord, you can't fool God. Do you want God to bless you? You want his peace? and his love, and his joy, then you need to confess things in your life that are not right between you and him. And that's why in verse 9, if we, believers, confess our sins, a lost man doesn't confess his sins to be saved. He simply confesses he is a sinner. He confesses he is an apple tree. 
you and I have to confess the apples. The things that we do against our Heavenly Father since we've been saved. He says, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this verse is excellent for the child of God who wants to have good, clean fellowship between him and his Father. Because sin can do an awful lot of damage, and it can rob us of a lot of joy and a lot of happiness in our life. Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me